Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 118. Today is Monday, June 24th, and it's heating up in New York City. You might hear the faint, soft, electric glow of four different fans running in the apartment right now because it's the fifth floor and it's 85 degrees outside, so it is an oven in here. But I digress. I'm leaving in two days, and that's really exciting. I've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm heading to Spain and then taking a boat over to Morocco and spending about a month there and then leaving out of Portugal. I'm really, really pumped, and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to bring you some episodes and some content from Morocco. At the very least, follow along on the Instagram account. That is the Voyages of Tim V, and you'll be able to see pictures and stuff like that. I'll also do things where I'll send out postcards to people. So if you follow the stories and you want one, you could just shoot me a DM and give me your address and I'll send you out a postcard from somewhere in Morocco or Spain or Portugal. Pretty cool. All right. My guest for today's episode is Randy Mason. Randy is an educator, a writer, and an MC. He is a hip-hop rap performer. I saw Randy uh, maybe about, let's see, it's June now? Maybe it was March or April at a So Far Sound show in Bushwick at this cool, I think it was a photography space. Uh, He was the final performer of three, so he headlined that show. And he was really awesome and really talented. But right before he played, I was sitting down with Liz and uh, he just started chatting with us. I didn't know that he was yet yet the, uh, the guy that'd be performing and he was just super cool. And then when we saw him, he was talented and personable and he worked the crowd really well and he was funny. So I thought, hey, man, I had uh, La Bruja representing the Bronx. Uh, let me get someone else to represent the Bronx. And Randy did so. What you're going to hear right after this intro is a song by Randy. That song is Get Busy. Uh, make sure you check out the show notes for this episode because you'll find the links to find his music and his social media stuff. He has his own Patreon, as do I. So remember, folks, that is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. Or for Randy, it's patreon.com slash Randy Mason. That's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly, you know the drill. It's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever. Whatever you can afford to keep the artistry coming. I'll say for this episode, if you have five bucks that you can give, give it to Randy instead of me, because he's actively putting out music and uh, he deserves your dollar. He's a hardworking dude. So yeah. The song to follow will be Get Busy, and then you will hear my conversation with Randy. So let's jump right into it. When it feel this good, it's good to get. And when it feel this right, it's alright to get. And when it feel this great, it's okay to get. Don't wait, just get. Never too late. Ah, uh, six o'clock and I'm up this morning trying to remember exactly what I do. This for, cause I've been hitting snooze since four. It's real in the field and I ain't trying to lose this war. So I fall from the bed to the hardwood floor and pray until my knees are sore. Or pray until I fall asleep again and forget what I'm praying for. That's when I get a call. And then my baby crawl right off the edge of the bed, but I catch him like Beckham. Too bad ain't nobody even saw. 
Much worse, ain't nobody keeping score. The only draft for dad is coming from under my door. Uh. One man, but I got at least four Full-time jobs, maybe five Eighty-five, I was born And I've been getting busy ever since Busy in my sins, busy with nonsense But not since God took off the dark tents Now this former convict is fully convinced That ain't nobody really getting busy but him Say now ain't nobody really getting busy but him Dig it Up before dawn, cup of my palm My coffee darker than the mud of my lawn All blacks, New Zealand got me feeling like Nothing is wrong with my baby tucked under my arm That's one, two or five on each of my thighs That's three, another one on my shoulder And two others are older That's six and they right by my side We a legitimate tribe Keeping the bride and I busy, no lie That's why. When it feel this good, it's good to get busy When it feel this right, it's alright to get busy When it feel this great, it's okay to get busy Don't wait, just get never too late to get busy Dishes need to be done, lyrics need to be sung Hearts need to be mended cause ain't gonna be no refund Clothes need to be hung, souls need to be won Don't mean to be glum, but we have only begun The house need to be swept, mouths need to be fed A lot need to be said, the flock need to be led Bills need to be paid and games need to be played A way needs to be paved so prayers need to be prayed Time needs to be spent, rhymes need to be penned The lost need to be found, we all need to repent Goals need to be set and those need to be met The water need to be drained, the baby need to be kept Salaries need to be earned, the calories need to be burned The fallacies need to be spurned I got the gift receipt for what I need to return The motive, it need to be love and love and need to be learned Cause when it feel this good, it's good to get busy When it feel this right, it's alright to get busy When it feel this great, it's okay to get busy No way, just get never too late to get busy I wanna choose what's better, not busier Busier, busier Cause worries and work there's plenty of plenty of plenty of plenty of few things are needed indeed really one so hurry up and pause the hysteria God is far more concerned with our interior yo I used to think my value and worth were determined by my volume of work um, I'm learning that it's not the way that it works. I'm learning that it's not the way that it works. Look at us racing the work. Some of us really chasing the hearse. The coffin be the quickest way to get a front in a church to get all the affection that we think we deserve. All the attention and the mentions we so desperate to earn. I go hard, but I ain't trying to be that hard. I got bars, but I ain't trying to leave that charge. I love God, but I ain't trying to visit prematurely. Show up at his house unannounced to have to bounce. Uh. But, but slow down The discipline to rest is simply profound Think I'm waiting on death? That's a definite no I'm trying to get that REM for the soul Before I get up and go uh, Yeah, so first of all, Randy, thank you um, I know you're a busy guy So I really appreciate your time uh, I guess so people know how I heard of you We, uh, My girlfriend and I went to a So Far Sound show in Bushwick And we were kind of sitting towards the back Uh chilling out back there and there's this guy back there and it's funny because uh we've we've been to three together now and each time we went uh we were saying like we'd like to hear someone who's doing hip-hop and wow. we do this little game where it's like you look at the names you know you go to one of these shows you get the slip of paper and uh you see the names and so we try to guess like what style of music that they play i think we were telling you this um and like all respect to you but i saw your name randy mason and i was like Ah, it's probably like like folk music or something like that. Singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then like right before your set, you started talking to us and you were super cool and you were like, yeah, I'm doing hip hop. And you had your the uh, cajon I saw you bring up there and I was like, yeah, this is going to be sweet. Um, yeah, right. and you were great and super cool. 
in like all respect to the other artists that played that night, but I was like, eh, so far the show's okay. Uh, and then you, you know, you closed it out, you headlined it and it was really, really cool. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, man. So I'll start with this. Uh, I know that you are, uh, an advocate of the Bronx. You're, you're born and raised in the Bronx. Yeah, um, I was born in East Harlem at Mount Sinai Hospital and then and raised, you know, mostly in the Bronx. Would have been in East Harlem, but most, most of my years growing up was in the Bronx. And I live in the Bronx now. I teach, work, and live. Yeah. All right, cool. So this might be obvious to you, uh, but, you know, to people in other parts of the country that are listening, uh, what's so great about the Bronx? What's so great about the Bronx? Um, so there are many things that are great about the Bronx many of which I'm looking at right now as I sit in front of this uh, Mexican restaurant waiting on some dinner. But um, you know, so hip-hop, I think, comes to mind. You know, growing up around hip-hop culture um, in terms of, like, graffiti and breakdancing and emceeing and DJing, um, just being so rich um, in the borough, um, especially when I was growing up in the um, late 80s, early, you know, in the 90s, um, so yeah, I think, I think culture, art, street art, um, you know, the, and the Bronx is, 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 um, I think kind of like slept on even in the city, even in New York, you know what I mean? A lot of people, a lot of my friends from Brooklyn, they don't be want to visit me and stuff like that. Um, and you hear me other boroughs be kind of like, oh, you in the Bronx? Wow. So the Bronx is like kind of a hard borough, you know, like a hardworking people who kind of recognize that. We're out here in this space and place that um, sometimes gets, uh, you know, sometimes gets judged in a negative light. You know what I mean? We haven't always had the best press. Um, but, yeah, the Bronx, Bronx is awesome. Bronx is amazing. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, as someone who lives in Brooklyn and for people who don't know the boroughs, uh, the Bronx is kind of north. So, yeah, it is sort of the furthest away yeah. if you're if you're traveling on the subway or by car. Um but yeah, like like you mentioned, the birthplace of hip hop. Yeah, birthplace of hip hop. I mean, that's that's big. You know, especially being an MC. Um, you know, I remember you know growing up and just seeing. You know, first of all, my older brother. You know, he was he was uh, he was rapping at the time, and then just coming outside the building and just seeing every element of hip hop being um, just displayed, not necessarily on like a platform or in like some sort of mainstream commercialized manner, but just in a very organic um, community kind of um, way. And, and that, that really intrigued me from a young age to see that, be exposed to it. And I feel like it was kind of like, you know, like growing up around here, I feel like it's, you know, I tell people a lot for me, ramen is like breathing. It's just like, I don't even think about it. It's like second nature. And I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of growing up here. That's awesome. So I didn't know about your brother. I was going to ask you, though, like your earliest introduction into hip hop. So beside him, like what are some artists you remember hearing like at, at the youngest point in your life that you liked? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he was the first. My brother West was the first. And, and he, he put me on to uh, Black Sheep. And, and so that was like an early group that I was being exposed to. And then after that, you know, everybody from Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, um, you know, uh, I, I remember, you know, actually when I was a kid and I started freestyling, I started rhyming, 
Um, some some friends of mine brought me to a studio, G Voter Pro. Shout out to DJ G Voter Pro, who's like, you know, well respected um, DJ in hip hop. Um, was just actually uh, honored at the, the Port of Rock Study uh, um, by the Port of Rock Study crew. But um, I remember going to the studio, and 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 as I was going in, Fuji Rap was coming out. And I didn't know who Fuji Rap was at the time, and they had to like put me on, like, yo, that's you know what I mean. I'm like, wow. So you know, Fuji Rap, KRS One. Um, of course, you know, people like Nas and, and, and um, you know, Common and, and, all, and all those guys, Jay-Z, Biggie, all those guys, um, you know, who's exposed to them at an early age. I could see that because every one of those guys that you just mentioned is more of a storyteller. And that's what I was thinking about the stuff that you were doing, that it's more of like storytelling type of rap rather than like bravado rap or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think you broke up a little bit on that last statement after storytelling. Yeah, just saying that, like, you know, there's like, there's, you know, like party hip hop or there's like bravado type of stuff. But if you think of someone like Nas or even, um, yeah, like Cool G Rap, like it's uh, even Biggie, like if you think about, um, you know, like it's it paints a picture for you. It's more of a, it's more of a story, less like something. I mean, he had some club hits and stuff like that, like the, like the radio hits, but, um, sure. a lot of stuff on ready to die was like stories about his life. And that, that's sort of the vibe that, that I got from you when you were playing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love, um, the art of storytelling. I love telling stories, um, both in, in the form of songs and poems and rhymes, but also just, you know, just, um, and, and, and uh, talking as well and writing them. Like, I like writing them, like writing like some children's book ideas that I've been writing. Um, so I definitely love the art of storytelling. And, uh, yeah, we'll wait for this uh, to go by. Yeah. New York. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, New York. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and all those guys are great. Um, yeah, great storytellers, you know what I mean? And, and the tradition of hip-hop and then seeing in general, you know, it comes from a, a long, uh, a rich history of storytelling, you know what I mean? Going back to, like, spoken word and even prior to that, um, just, like, you know, uh, teachers and mentors, you know, telling stories to the youth and, and contextual, in a contextualized way. Um, that's what hip-hop is all about, is, is relaying stories and information in, in, um, in our language. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, I've talked about this a lot before on here. Like I've had people from the world of like punk music and hardcore music, but I look at the, um, I look at like the underground for that scene and the underground for the hip hop scene is, is, is pretty similar, even to where like, you know, the Beastie Boys were starting in, in like punk bands in New York City. Um, but when I was young, like I remember like me and my friends like like tapping on desks and making like drum beats and things like that. Uh, at, at what point in your life did you start like writing and, and, and putting rhymes together and thinking like, oh, I could I could be an MC? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really young. I mean, and I, 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 could rem I remember like freestyling. Um, I could have been maybe 10 or 11 years old, just like messing around and making up these silly raps in my room and my brothers and just like, you know, playing around. And then probably when I was around 13 and 14 is when I started taking it more seriously. And, and then I would just be, I would just rhyme all day long. I would rhyme on the bus on my way to school. I would look out the window and I would read all the, like the names of the stores and businesses. And I would try to rhyme them. I try to put them in a rhyme. So as the bus was 
uh, going down the street, I'd just be grabbing all these words off the billboards and um, ads and, and just putting them in rhymes. Um, in school, writing rhymes, getting in trouble in the hallways, rapping, freestyling. I was just, I could, you know, I, I loved it. And then also, I recognize now in hindsight, looking back, um, it, you know, I, I recognize that at an early age that it was something that I was good at. And so I gravitated toward that space where I was affirmed and I was celebrated and I was recognized as having some sort of value um, that I, I guess I didn't necessarily feel in other spheres. And so I really like leaned into hip hop heavy. Um, and, and that was, um, so yeah, probably like 13, 14, so I go to the studio and recording demos and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it, I'm going to get into like sort of your uh, like lyrical content in, in a couple minutes because uh, I think you break sure. you break the mold in a lot of ways. But I think there's sort of this stereotype, I mean, and often correct about, um, you know, a lot of hip hop music comes from, you know, uh, young people that have tougher upbringings. Um, like everybody knows like where a lot of artists started from in New York city with like either single parent or like there's gang stuff or there's yeah. stuff. Uh, what was like early life like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, you know, I grew up, um, in the Bronx and, and in East Harlem, my parents, my dad was a cop. My mom worked in um, the hospital and, and they were, they are, um, pretty awesome people. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, we had our challenges growing up. You know, I have um, um, uh, four brothers and one sister, right? I had to count in my head. I'm like David, Eric, Chris, <laughs> West, um, and Nakia, uh, four brothers and one sister. And so, you know, I mean, we, there, were, there were, you know, different challenges for me. I, I struggled a lot in school. You know, again, I, I just became so, like, um, you know, wrapped up in art and hip hop and writing rhymes that I was just daydream. I was so disengaged um, in the classroom in terms of what was being taught that I'd, I'd be in my own world. And I was, in, you know, I wasn't, I was rarely challenged um, to, to do otherwise. And it didn't mean I was kind of left to just write. And I would fill composition notebook after composition notebook with rhyme after rhyme, song after song. But, um, you know, my family life was cool, you know, uh, Growing up, you know, we weren't poor, thank God. You know, we had everything we needed. Um, you know, when around the age of 13, so here's the thing. Around, I was um, uh, good at something, which was hip-hop, and I was being celebrated and kind of affirmed in that space, space and sphere. Um, that space and sphere also came with a lot of um, negative influences. Yeah. And so as I, as I ran to where, you know, I felt I belonged. There was a whole bunch of other stuff that came along with that. Um, and so, you know, my grades just steadily declined. And then me and my folks really kind of, me and my dad in particular, um, you know, just bumped heads a lot. And um, so that was kind of a rough, like my teen years were, were really rough in that sense. Like my parents actually moved and I stood in the Bronx um, and I was probably like 15 or so. And I stood out here and, and, and you know, you know, thank God for hip hop because hip hop, you know, kept me um, kind of on a on, on the right path. But um, yeah, I dabbled in everything you could imagine along all, all those years. You know what I mean? A lot of my friends, just, you know, not to play into the stereotype, the hip hop, you know, uh, rapper, New York rapper stereotype. But yeah, I mean, I was 
kind of what it is. Not even hip hop. Unfortunately, like you said, some of the stereotypes are, are sadly true, but um, it's not just hip hop. It's black and brown people from, you know, neighborhoods that I grew up in. You know what I'm saying? It's my family. It's my dad. They didn't know his dad and his dad didn't know his dad. And my, my pops was just divorced and, you know, and I eventually was, we got divorced. You know what I mean? Like, so there's yeah. all of that kind of generational stuff. Um, I, I might be kind of answering more than the question, but yeah. No, that's cool, man. Uh, there's something in there that, that I think is important too. I know you've worked in schools, your wife works in schools. I come from the world of education and I've seen the kid that you're describing. I've seen the younger you, right? And, you know, sure. we label that kid as like ADHD or disinterested when they have this talent yeah. that just needs to be fostered. And, and for somebody to sort of give you the push towards like, hey, you've got this creative talent. You've got this lyricism. Um, probably you were a reader if you're able to write that well. Like, um, was yeah. there an adult in your life that sort of was like, no, this is a skill? Or were you, were you out there just with like your peers trying to trying to write? Yeah. Yeah, I think for the most part, it was it was my peers. And then there were some some adults like I mentioned earlier, DJ Jibo the Pro, um, you know, kind of you know poured into me and, and let me know that I had had a gift and something special. Um, but I, I really didn't learn until much later in life. Um, I think the 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 versatility of the gift, the options, the opportunity. You know what I mean? So I kind of had a one track mind as a team, like, yo, I can rhyme and that's cool. And so I just did that. But later in life, I'm like, dude, I can write books. I can write scripts. I can, you know, you know, you see uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and doing uh, Hamilton in the Heights. Like there's so many different things you can do. Um, and so that's been interesting just over the years, um, unpacking, you know, the gift and, 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 um, but yeah, growing up, man, um, yeah, there weren't too many adults in my life that were like, that was, this is a good thing. It was, uh, it was kind of frowned upon. It was kind of like, yo, that's, that's just, you know, a hobby. Like, you, you, you'll never really make, you know, uh, nothing to come, come of it. But I knew, man, I knew, I knew, I knew. I've always known. I was like, yo, this is something, like, super special about this. And I've, I've, I've never not believed if that's totally incorrect. So it's like, dramatically, <laughs> but I, I've always believed like, yo, this is, this is something. And so I've always tried to steward it well. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, there, there's a somewhat like a, so I saw these videos of you now as an adult, um, mm -hmm. you know, rapping on, um, on, on trains and maybe this is a New York phenomenon. Yeah. So if people don't know, it's not uncommon to see young kids either uh, or, or really people of any age playing music on trains or, yeah, like doing hip hop or some kids do like uh, mm -hmm. like dancing or acrobatics up on like the on the handrails right, and stuff right. like that. Showtime. Yeah, <laughs> like either for money or practice or exposure. Um, right. Did you do this as a young person or are those videos sort of yeah. just playing homage to the to the craft? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I did. Um, as a young person, I, I probably was maybe for maybe 15, the first time I rapped on the train and me and my buddy, we just did it for fun. You know, we would just be like riding home from school and just freestyling and rapping. And sometimes we noticed that we got somebody's attention. And then eventually that kind of progressed into us actually like introducing ourselves to the to the people on the train and actually rapping and like performing for people. Um, we didn't do it a ton, but we did it like for fun, like on our way home from school a bunch. And then later, um, as a young adult, I played in a band called The Crowd. 
And my band, uh, my man, uh, Akil Dasan, who is a brilliant musician, songwriter, human being, um, he was playing on the train a whole bunch. And so he kind of reintroduced me to that world. And I fell in love with it instantly because there's nothing, there's nothing like, you know, stepping onto a New York City uh, train, right? That jam packed full of people who, <laughs> who didn't come to hear you rap. You know what I mean? Who are not there to hear live music and, and then you just give it everything you got and and time after time you know the response was just so overwhelmingly good um it was just another kind of affirmation of like yo this is something special this is something dope um so we used to you know we played a bunch man we had all kinds of trains on lock for a long time um and then i kind of stepped away from it a bit and then i you know kind of dabbled in it here and there it's been a while now um, but I'll, I say this now, I'm like, yo, I'm going to play MSG and the MTA on the same day. And I believe that. So MSG, Madison Square Garden, whenever that, that concert is, on the way there, I absolutely have to play on the train on the way. So that's going to happen. And I said it on this podcast, so <laughs> you could, you know, refer to it. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember like those first shows that Jay-Z did at the Barclays, like uh, there was videos of him like taking the subway into the, into those shows. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, uh, man. All right. So when we saw yeah. you, you, when we saw you play, I uh, just referenced it earlier. Um, you had something called a cajon, which I believe is of yeah. uh, Peruvian origin. It's like a percussion instrument. Uh, can you talk about that? And like, if, if you learned to play that at what age and like, sort of like the importance of that to your music? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the cajon is is uh, basically a, a percussion instrument. It's a drum um, that I fell in love with maybe about ten years ago. So I was playing in a band, and I was I was the MC. I was a rapper, uh, and then we had a bassist, and a singer, and another uh, singer, rapper, guitar player. And so actually, my man, the guitar player, was like, "Hey, we need you to do something when you're not rapping, right?" So I bought you this box, this this cajon, this drum see what you can do you know what I mean and so he gave he gifted me this this cajon drum and I just fell in love with it so I've been playing it ever since um I actually wrote a um so you know the, the story goes that you know you know somewhere along the lines of like the 1600s you know it's a slave-made instrument you know what I mean it has Whoa. you know Afro-Caribbean roots um and 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 basically you know slaves that were in in Peru who are not allowed to play music, obviously, um, and specifically drums, because the drum kind of like, uh, you know, was was seen as a threat to to the powers, right? That be. Um, and so what happened was they, they uh, these slaves didn't have their instruments, but what they did have was a whole bunch of like uh, crates and uh, like cargo boxes and things being shipped, right? And so what happens is they modified these boxes, they modify these these, um, you know, shipping crates or dressers or whatever and modify them to be um, these disguisable instruments that you could sit on and it not seem like a drum. You could sit on it, you could work, you could do what you got to do. And then when, you know, coast is clear, you could rock and you can play. And so the story was like, that intrigued me. I'm like, man, that's fantastic. I love that story. Um, it reminds me of, of the story of hip hop, you know what I mean? Um kind of working with uh, minimal resources and just being creative and like, yo, let's turn this 
you know, vinyl floor that someone threw out because it's not in style anymore. Let's turn it into a dance floor and let's take my grandfather's records that are catching dust on a shelf and let's, you know what I mean? Um, instead of using one turntable, let's use two to, to make the song longer and catch the break. Like, it's just being creative and modifying things and remixing um, the things that we do have available to us. So the Cajon has that story, um, you know? And so, yeah, I, I started playing it about 10 years ago and um, only recently. So up until recently, I've, I, so let me just say this. Hashtag rapping Cajonero, right? Cajonero is someone who plays a cajon, right? So I am the rapping cajonero. That's like the next like stage of what I'm trying to do creatively is um, create this this cajon rap set thing. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of times I'll play with another drummer who plays the cajon while I rap. Um, but uh, a friend of mine is a, is a drummer and an MC, and I, I've always been blown away how he he plays the drums and raps at the same time and sings and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's phenomenal. So I've been I've been working on that. That's my next thing. It's uh, rapping Cajonero. Is, is that friend Anthony Anderson? I saw that um, you doing shows with him. Yeah, yeah. Anthony's my guy. He's a, he's uh, an amazing human and drummer. And we've done a whole bunch of like so far shows. Um, I also play a bunch with uh, my man Mark Bell and some other guys. I play with a lot of different uh, musicians depending you know who's available and what makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, Anthony's awesome. He's great. The show you, you that you guys were at. Um, man, I don't remember actually. If that was Anthony. You maybe you remember, or if it was Mark. But yeah, I don't think I don't think it was. Um, I don't totally remember. Uh, that's honestly though. That's a beautiful story. I'll do a quick aside here, um, just because uh, I taught history. But like, sort of exactly what you were talking about. Things like music. Uh, was heavily discouraged i'll put that in air quotes because like it's more than discouraged but like uh obviously prior to europe creating like political boundaries in africa there was no africa right so there's no there there were bantu languages that spread around but um there was no african language right so then you have people Mm -hmm. who were taken from africa and then indigenous peoples of the americas that are all put together so something like mm-hmm. music, which also formed like a common language among people, allowed them to communicate, and that's a threat, right? Mm. Because then you have the ability to communicate and to possibly revolt and to have an uprising. Um, so I did yeah. not, I didn't know that the cajon like traced back that far, but that totally makes sense, and that's really a that's really a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I wrote a um, I wrote a children's book about it. It's not out. It's on my laptop. It's called La Caja. Which means the box, and it's um, and the subtitle is a book about a box, and so I kind of tell that story because I remember sitting with my students. I know we're gonna talk about that later, but I was sitting with my students and I was explaining the story to them. But I was kind of like you know, being dramatic and like telling the story in a way that would be interesting to them, and they were just so captivated. I was like, man, I should make, I should write this down. So I wrote it, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome when it comes out. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Um, Thank you. We've referred to it a few times, but um, yeah, for people that don't know, like so far sound shows are shows that happen at like a discrete location. It could be a club, a bar, an office, a home, and you sign up not knowing who's playing, like limited amount of tickets are sold, and then you're just there for three artists. Um, So I know that since we saw you, you've played a couple since then, and you've played some before then. How do you like that experience of, of playing those shows? Yeah, so far, sounds is 
um, like the best thing since sliced bread. They, they're amazing. I absolutely love it. I'm totally spoiled. It's like, you know, uh, my favorite kind of show to play is a, is a so far show. Um, so I saw maybe a little bit over a year ago, I saw a video of a friend of mine um, playing a so far show and I had not heard of it before then. I was like, man, that looks amazing. Sounds amazing. That looks cool. And so I reached out to, to um, you know, like the people in New York City, so far uh, New York City staff, and and uh, and they had me come out and play a show. And then so I've been just playing a whole bunch. Um, for me, for a number of reasons, I find it to be um, like just almost like a perfect setting for the kind of art that I'm creating and, and what I'm, I'm doing. Um, for one, I, I really um, enjoy performing in unplugged settings like the train, right? So I have that history of rapping on the train. There's no mics on the train. There's no lights. There's no special effects. There's no, you know what I mean? It's like you just, you show up and, and you, and it's like a, a very raw kind of a thing, right? It's almost like if you don't have it, it's hard to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but you got to have these fundamental things in order to, to thrive in those spaces. And I love that challenge. And so I love being unplugged. I love telling stories. Um, I love the fact that people who come to so far shows um, love music as much as I do um, and, and therefore are tuned in and totally engaged and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we've been partnering with so far on some, some stuff, man. So far is, is fantastic. Got some ideas for some, some in the future. But, but I've been playing maybe like one a month uh, for like probably over a year now. That's cool. I, I don't mean to like keep inflating your ego. But sort of to that. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Don't stop. <laughs> all right, all right. Can't stop, won't stop. No. <laughs> well, for so for people that haven't heard you yet, uh, I mean, obviously, hopefully, they'll check you out after this. But um, something I thought was really, really awesome was that um, before the percussion would kick in, I think you did this for like every song. You would either start out with like snapping a beat, or you would just go off on like your own rhythm that didn't exist other than like what was in your head. Um, and so there was yeah. already like something you could groove to before the percussion kicked in. And I thought that was just mm-hmm. really freaking awesome, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Uh, that's cool that you like picked up on that. Um, I think uh, I'm, you know, I love to improvise. I love to, to, to freestyle and um, very like creatively impulsive and like just whatever, like, I hear it in my head and my heart. I, you know, I like to act on it. Um, and then the other, the other um, part of that is a lot of times um, when I'm doing these so far shows or, or just shows in general, um, you know, the, the musicians, they have no idea what I'm about to do. <laughs> so a lot of times I just, like I set the tempo and then they're like, all right, that's where we're going. All right, cool. And they can jump in um, because of the fact that I switch it up so much. Like, I'll write the set list out, and then we'll do, like, something else. Uh, but I, I love that. And so far, is really good for that. You know what I mean? Like, the setting, the vibe, it kind of um, supports that type of, in my opinion, it supports that type of um, performance. Yeah, it's cool. And, like, really interactive. Uh, you use, like, a yeah. lot of humor as well. Um, yeah. All right, I wanted to talk about lyrical content because mm-hmm. I mentioned this earlier, but I think you break the mold in a way that uh, – let me try to organize my thoughts around this. But um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of positivity, a lot of love, a lot of talking about kids, your wife, um, which obviously, like, you know, we all like like club stuff. We like party stuff. Sometimes we all like to listen to ignorant sure. stuff. Um, 
But I, I thought it was amazing to hear you talk about your wife and your kids in a loving way that, like, I, I think it's fair to say, like, perhaps could make you uncool, right? But at the same time, doing it with talent. So, like, there's this artist I had on from uh, Indonesia. He's a hip-hop artist. His mm. name is uh, Psycho G. He's pretty big there. And he has this song about his kid. And he has a music video with his kid. And I thought that was so cool because, like, the only other thing that really came to mind, and maybe this makes me like super cheesy, but was like Will Smith and with just the two of us, which was like, I don't know. Right, to, right, right. To me, to me yeah. it was corny. But so that's, uh, that's sort of my question is that like, do, do you actively think about, all right, I'm going to use these topics. I'm going to put out positivity and love, but like, it's important to me that it's good and not corny. Like, is that a thought process that you have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I, I want to say yes and no, more no than yes, though, and here's why. I think, um, I don't think about it too much. Um, I just, I just try to just be, right? So, like, I don't know, I'm trying to find a good example. Bear with me. No, but, I'm following like, so far. Yeah, I think, like, trees are awesome, right? And I think trees are awesome because they do exactly what they were grown to do like they don't trees don't try to be anything but a tree like it's just it's just beautiful being what it is you know what i mean and so for me i, I like so yo Rand, if you could just be Rand, if you could just be randy and just be authentic then then that's going to be awesome um and so i try to do that and i and i and i do intentionally think about well like who am i okay like i'm a dad and i love my kids and, you know my wife is dope and i love her and i'm passionate about these subject so let me not shy away from them let me lean into them you know um so 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 I, you know what i mean so part of it is just like this organic like just me just trying to be who i am but um on the flip side i do recognize that in hip-hop um just music and business and, and popular culture in general entertainment in general these are not necessarily uh things that um you know, uh, attract attention or revenue or whatever the case may be necessarily. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I like the challenge. I like, um, I like being different. You know what I mean? Um, and I, and I don't want, I don't want to always be different. I also like encouraging something that I feel, um, is good. You know what I mean? I've had people come to me like, yo, like something about having kids. Like after that, you know what I mean? Like that's, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, wow. Like you, feel like better about maybe, you know, whatever, I don't know, getting married or having kids or, or, you know, these things because you saw something or someone or heard something that kind of just, uh, you know, um, I guess displayed a different light on something that perhaps you, you thought you knew all about. Not that I'm like a guru or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying like, I'm trying to, um, yeah, I'm just trying to, trying to be me. So, in hip hop, man, there's, there's all, and in general, in life, right? There's all these influences. We're always like pressured to try to be someone we're not. And I guess I'm very like hyper aware of that, and it's frightening. And I recognize that I miss the mark often, and I and I do often try to portray some one that I'm not, and I try to be X. And so, but I'm just like so aware of it that I that I push back as much as I can, and I try to be like, Yo, Rand, just like just be you, um, and and that's. that's that's sufficient. You know what I mean? And not only sufficient, sufficient, that's, that's invaluable. You know what I mean? Um, so 
Yeah, I think that comes, uh, not to speak for you, but I think that comes from like a place of confidence too. Because like, I don't know, like a, a lot of songs are about like, I have this, I have that, I have women, I have cars, I have jewelry, I have this. Because you're coming from a place of have not, right? If you grew up your whole life like feeling mm. insufficient, mm. feeling not good enough and all this stuff. And now you have these things that uh, you think you're proud of and like there's there's your song, right? Sorry yeah. to folks that there's a train. Yeah. New York again. Um but yeah, so it's like it's like yeah, I'm 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 comfortable in my own skin to to talk about the things that are real to me. I think that's pretty cool, man. Uh Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I, I think I think you 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 um you brought up a great point. I think um you know, being like contentment, you know what I mean? Like being like okay with who who I am, where I am, and and the confidence thing also um, like you mentioned, um, plays a big part. And I don't want to, I don't want to understate that, um, recognizing that, you know, Hey, I have like this ability, I have this gift to like, you know, do X helps me to be vulnerable in other areas. Mm. Right. So I I don't want to understate that. Like that, you know, obviously helps, um, in terms of like, yo, I'm going to say something and probably make a fool out of myself. And then I'm going to spit and people are going to like probably like it. So I'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like try to, so, you know what I mean? Um, that, that does play a big part of it also. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I saw you just put something up and I won't keep you too much longer. I know that you're trying to eat. Uh, I saw you posted something very recently. It might've been this morning even, uh, like something from the park, like rapping about the park. Um, I'm yeah. wondering about sort of your, your process. Cause you are a busy guy, you know, you're working, mm-hmm. you have kids, you've got a family. Like, is, is there a time that you write? Is there a method to it? Or are you just like always like seeing something and like jotting it down on paper? How does that process work? Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, it's very much, um, you know, impulsive, you know, I, I get it. I, I don't know if that's the best word to use, but you know, I get inspired all the time and I, and I just, I just, I write a lot of stuff that, um, you know, oftentimes I write, I don't even actually write down on paper or on my phone until after the fact, like I'll just be hanging with my kids and we'll be whatever, having breakfast and stuff. I'm drinking coffee. I'm like, Oh, and these ideas are coming to me and they just start to grow and build in my head. And then later when I have some space and time, maybe, you know, when the baby's napping and the other kids are at school or whatever, I'll start writing it down or like this morning, for example, man, um, I was just inspired and I was having coffee and the kids were like, yo, I want to go to the park. And I love going to the park. And I was like, all right, we're going to go. Um, so, you know, but first, let me just finish writing this rhyme real quick. So I'm at the kitchen table. So I wrote that rhyme at the kitchen table um, while the kids were just playing with their toys. And then we all went to the park and had fun. And then I shot a one minute video of me rapping it. Um, so yeah, being, being um, super busy, it's, it's challenging. So yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times I I, I, uh, I try to get up before everybody else is up in the morning um, and or I stay up late when everyone else is asleep. Obviously, you can't do both. And I've done that. And that's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Burning the candle at both ends. So I try to you know pick one for a season. Like you know, for this season, I'm getting up like super early. I'm going to re- I'm going to go to bed early and get, you know, rest well. Then I'm going to get up early and, and, and do the things that I do I have, like my morning routines or whatever. Um, but rhymes come to me all the time. So I'm, I'm writing rhymes, um, just kind of like perpetually, like all, all of the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. What is the, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm, gonna say, I'm, I'm glad you checked out that rhyme and that's, you know, thank you. 
Because that, that's, you know, and it's, it's really meaningful for me, just the process of coming up with these ideas and writing them and then sharing them. I'm like, yo, I, my, my, my whole motto is like, yo, I got it to give it. So like if I, you know, if it comes to me, it's like, I don't want to just keep it, I'm going to give it. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what is the work that you do in schools with kids? Yeah. So um, I've been a, a hip hop uh, teaching artist um, for a number of years independently. And what that means or what that looks like is basically um, pushing into schools, into classrooms or doing after school programs or community centers, working with kids to, um, to create, uh, you know, songs, write rhymes, do poetry, creative writing. Um, we do a lot of, you know, obviously like figurative language and stuff like that. And, and, I, and then I bring the studio when I bring like a little small mobile studio, my, my personal setup into the classrooms and the kids get to record songs and, and, and think about um, life and all these subjects in this creative way. It's like, all right, how do we talk about this in rhyme form? How do we talk about this in like a haiku? How do we talk about this, you know, you know how do we write a chorus about this subject? Um, so we do that. And then at Thrive Collective, uh, which is an organization where I work. It's um, I'm, I'm the hip hop studio arts director there, so I basically do everything I just mentioned there at the at the hub in Harlem, um, and then also in schools all around the city. Very cool, man. Um, I'll finish with this. I know you have a project. I don't know if it dropped yet, but it's called Four More, I believe. Can you talk about yeah. uh, what that EP is about? Absolutely. Um, so the EP is called Four More. And I put a parentheses around the U so that it could it could mean like four, literally the number four, four more, or or F O R four more than that, like it's four more than um, you know uh, sale or stream or song. It's like there's there's more depth to it. Um, and so basically, I was listening to these instrumentals by this producer named Theory Has It, who's a super dope uh, MC and beat maker. And I was thinking about doing a project with him, and I was like. Oh, you know, so I get, I get all excited really fast. And I'm like, and I don't think small hardly ever, which is good and sometimes bad. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to, you know, instead of thinking like I'm going to write a rhyme or write a song, I'm like, I'm going to do this album and it's going to be this project. Like I think in this grand scale. And what happened was I heard these beats and I was like, oh, I'm going to do X. And I got all excited. And I was like, man, like I don't have the budget to do all of that right now. You know what I mean? And I got frustrated and I kind of pulled back. It was like, you know what, you know, I'm not going to do that. It was kind of, and then, and then I became re-inspired. I was like, you know what, no, bump that. If you could do four more, do four more. That was like this thought that came to mind. If you uh-huh. could do four songs right now, write, you know, produce, master, release, you know, whatever, do everything, do four songs. Like, if that's what you can do, do it. Um, and that was kind of the inspiration um, behind it. And obviously, I, I, that concept applies to more than just music. You know what I mean? It's like whatever, and health, and fitness, and you know I'm saying if you could do, you know what I'm saying, four more push-ups, you know what I mean, go for it. Uh, or whatever, if you could, you know, do four more days at that job or, you know, whatever the case may be, just it, that's what inspired me. And I, and I feel like, you know, I hope that that message will be inspiring to people when they hear it. Um, so it's four songs, Produced by Theory has it. Um, it's also like the first time in a long time that I, I'm doing something like a solo effort. I've played in a lot of bands and groups and things like that, which have all been great. Um, but, you know, recently I've just been like, yo, I need to establish like this thing that I've had since I was 12. Like, you know what I mean? This thing that's been growing in me, like it, it, it can't, it, it's not, 
Like it, it's, it's a very unique thing. Um, it's, a, it's a specific thing that I felt like I had to do um, as a soloist. And so this is like the beginning of that chapter of me revisiting um, just like this, this, this Randy Mason, um, this idea, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, this, this subject, you know, I talk about like depression on there. I talk about, I got the song on there, you know, it's funny. Common just put out a, um, uh, kind of a follow-up to his, you know, classic, I used to love her. So he just put out, uh, like the follow-up to that song. I think it's called love her or something like that. And Dilla, Dilla's on the beat. It's amazing. Obviously it's phenomenal. But on this EP, I have a song called I Still Love Her, though. And it's kind of um, was kind of inspired by comments I used to love her. But on that song, I talk about um, I talk about my wife. I talk about hip-hop. And I talk about the church. You know, obviously, my wife is an actual woman, and she's fly. And so I talk about her. But then hip-hop, I talk about as, you know what I mean, a woman. And, and in church, I talk about as a woman. And I talk about, like, even with, you know, all of, of their flaws and all of these things, like, I, I, I love I still love it though. You know what I mean? So there's that on there. Get busy. The song Get Busy that deals with work and rest um, is on there. Um, it's, 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 it's a, I like it. And uh, the few people that have heard it so far, I sent it out to a few people early. Um, I can send it to you tonight, actually. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, if I didn't already. And, yeah, people like it. So I'm excited, man. It's, it's going to be dope. Yeah, and so uh, people listening to this episode, at this point in the episode, they've already heard. I'm going to have a couple songs in here. Um, so yeah. we could talk about, I don't know if you want those in there, but I could have some old stuff. So at this point, people will have heard a song after the intro, and then uh, right after this, people will hear another one. Um, but right. b- besides that, like let's let's send people towards the music and the social media and stuff like that. How can they access this stuff that you're making? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I guess the best way would be randymason.org. Um, after that, I'm probably most active on Instagram, randymasonmusic. And then I've, I've been really growing... Um, my Patreon uh, community and family. And so that's patreon.com uh, slash Randy Mason. It's a really cool uh, website where, um, you know, people can pledge, you know, uh, money to artists and creatives that they like um, to assist in the creative process of, you know, whatever they're creating. Um, but also like kind of play a part um, in the making of it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of, you know, like kind of, stuff that doesn't happen on IG or anywhere else. So that, that's, that's dope if you're interested in, in supporting the Father of Six. If you're not, you should um, check yourself. Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, randymason.org, randymasonmusic, patreon.com slash randymason are the best ways to get in touch with me, to uh, listen to new music and, and content and, and collaborate. Yeah, man. And I know you're hustling. I know you're trying to get on Tiny Desk. Uh, I think the videos are great. Oh, yeah. I think the the videos are something that'll that'll keep drawing people in too. Uh, and so, yeah, right. if, you. if you're a listener and you just found out about Randy for the first time, go drop a comment, say uh, say that we sent you. And Randy, say what up? thanks, man. Wait, um, yo, thank you. Yeah. You're the man for doing this. I appreciate you very much. So thank you. Um, it was super cool meeting you at so far. And, it, and this is cool to see kind of like that introduction come to fruition. Um, so I don't know when this is going to drop, but um, August 3rd, it's dropping before August 3rd. Oh, yeah. Hopefully by Wednesday. Oh, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> so if you are in New York City or the tri-state area, August 3rd, I'm playing probably uh, the biggest show of the year for me um, in Brooklyn. Uh, with Homeboy Sandman. So Homeboy Sandman is a brilliant MC. He's headlining, and he, he graciously um, asked me to open for him 
I've been a fan for a long time, so I'm super excited about that. That's at a brand new venue in Brooklyn called the Sultan Room. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link so you could do the event bright or whatever. Awesome. But yeah, y'all can come out for that. I think it's worth. Um, it's going to be worth the drive. It's going to be worth the flight. It's going to be worth the the, the bike. It's going to be worth the skate, the skip, the run, whatever you got to do to get there. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. Yeah, people check that out. Do you know what neighborhood that is? Off the top of my head, I don't. I'll send you all the information when we get off uh, this. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I'm not super sure. But it's August 3rd. It's a Saturday night. Um, man, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. Awesome. It's going to be dope. All right, again, Randy, thank you. I'm going to let you eat, man. Um, but yeah, really appreciate your time. Yo, thanks for time, man. We'll talk soon. That is a wrap on episode number 118 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to Randy for being so cool to come on this podcast. He's a super busy guy. I'm sure you could tell, but we had to phone this one in because we just couldn't quite connect. We talked about how the Bronx is a bit far away, and um, I'm actually doing a lot of stuff right now like with job searching type of stuff, so I've been running around in this last week before I leave and also trying to get ready for, uh, for my big trip coming up. Uh, but we were able to connect via video call, so thank you, Randy. Thank you to all of you Voyagers, as always, for tuning in and for listening and for leaving comments and giving me feedback and all that good stuff. Remember to check out the show notes for this episode to find all the things that we talked about. All right, that's it for this one, folks. As always, please take care of each other. I will catch you next time. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, verse has yeah, been kind of challenging yeah, to get out. That's church. Come as you are, never leave as you came. That's, That's church. church. People of God come together to praise. That's, That's church. church. The body of Christ and body is aim and word. Pastor and her rapture. That's, That's church. church. Basic instructions before leaving her. That's, That's church. church. Way to discover just what you're really worth. That's, That's church. church. Labor and delivery. New birth. That's first. Ask her with the alabaster. That's church. She laid her burden down, had to empty that purse. The heart of a holler be so heavy to back her. Religious sinners try to condemn her like they ain't act worse. Man, Jesus told them they ain't even have no manners. Yo, Jesus told them all they really have was mad nerve. In the foot race to heaven, she probably get there faster. Folks with stones only prone to get madder. When they motives exposed, they cast bird. That's church. Faith is not a feeling, someone tell them that's church. The body not the building, someone tell them that's church. Where we gather doesn't matter, you can ask the master. Go ahead and Google map, it might just be disaster. Cause we be everywhere like career travelers. Thinking otherwise is weird and absurd. God cover all angles like a protractor. Reverence and rappers converge and that's church. Don't worry, my brother, you can get in with that shirt. Don't worry, my sister, you can visit with that skirt. So long as you listen to conviction from that word, we'll teach that it's adverse to rock it like master. It's simple, the body is a temple, so that's church. And since you were also born with a simple factor, you can spare me all of the hypocritical crap, sir. Cause all of that chatter be sounding like bladder. And we don't need to argue, we don't need the last word. All we really need to do is read the last verse. That's enough to make you want to read the chapter. Yeah, that's enough to make you want to seek the answer. Show up to stand firm in the camper. Everybody's scratching their head like an antler. It's enough to make you wonder what comes after. For that cadaver in back of that hearse. Holy feel like Evander. That's church. A land served in a cavern. That's church. Theology in a tavern. Burning bright as amber. Giving what we can earn. That's church. Everybody
everybody fall short on stagger everybody tarnish their own stature but we get another shot like when the gap burst when the fracture the benefactors that's church set free from the captor that's church abs hurt from the laughter that's church but this life is just a trailer tractor till we traverse jacob's ladder that's church save the banter i came to wave the banner same as grandma i just changed the grammar christ is the gloom exuding grandeur